0: The most patient person watching and waiting I could tell you that right now Um, now I'm better than I used to be but man I tell you if I was knew something good was coming I couldn't sleep Uh, As a kid you know I remember we might be going to Cedar Point or whatever and I mean if that was the next day I could not sleep that night I was wide awake thinking about what I was going to be doing what was going to be going on that anticipation and that excitement Uh, that can that was that was on my life was just absolutely amazing and uh, but there are times in my life and there are things that I'm believing God for in my life right now that I'm waiting I'm waiting and to be quite honest with you there are times that I struggle in the waiting period I don't know if you guys do I just talk maybe talking about myself but you know it's sort of like okay God you said this is what you're going to do but I'm really wondering when are you going to get to it because, you know, I'm standing on your word and I'm believing for you to do it. I know I can't fix this. I've tried already and blew it and it didn't work and I need you to do what you said you're going to do. And so there are times that I struggle in the waiting period and uh, there are times I become weary in the waiting period. And, um, you know, there's no... You know, people in the ministry aren't protected from the, the things that you guys have to deal with, and so in that waiting period, there can be weariness, there can be uh, struggle that's going on, there can be frustration that's happening in our lives, but I also know this, we can find strength in God. We can find the strength that we need. We sang the song, I asked Natalia to, if they would do this this morning, the new wine song, and uh, you know, I don't... I don't necessarily like that song. And I'm going to tell you why I don't like it. Because I don't like to sing about being pressed. But the truth is, we are pressed. And we struggle through things. And there are times of waiting and we're wondering where God is. And I don't don't necessarily, you know, there are verses I don't necessarily like in the Bible. Is anybody with me this morning? You're all looking at me like, oh my gosh, that's our pastor? Something's wrong with him. No, there, are you know, things about the chastening of the Lord and, uh, you know, that we need to just endure through difficulties that are going on and to not quit and to not give up and that there's a great reward if we'll stick with it. This song, New Wine, uh, and why I asked her to sing it is because the one line that's in it that says, so I yield to you and to your careful hand when I trust you, I don't need to understand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. Now, I would love to stand up here today and say, yeah, that's what I believe. Well, that's what I believe, but help my unbelief. Because I do feel at times like I need to understand what's going on here, and I don't. But yet the song teaches us and gives us that encouragement that, look, in the midst of all of this, there is something that can help us get through the standing period. Jerry Savell did a message years ago. It's called What to Do Between I Believe, I Receive, and I Receive. There is this period of time. You know, I know some of you are standing in faith for healing for your family, for financial situations. You're standing in faith for relational situations in your life. And look, in that period of time, we all, everyone here, there isn't a single person here that hasn't struggled in that time, that hasn't gotten weary in that time, and that but yet had to in the midst of it find the strength to be able to go, to be able to go forward. And here's why. Because what is in you is greater than what is happening to you. First John 4 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The greater one is inside of you. He is greater than any mountain, he is greater than any giant that you face, and he is greater than any physical oppression. So as we wait on the Lord, what do we do? Well, it says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30 through 31, that even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, that there is a renewal of strength that can come to our lives. Maybe you need that today. Maybe you need that experience in your life, that renewal of strength in your life in the midst of your standing and your believing They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary, and they shall walk, and they will not faint. And they shall walk, and they shall not faint. You know, when we look at the Christmas story, we get, you know, we we romanticize the whole idea, obviously, and all the beauty of it. But we don't really look at, in depth, the hardship of it. One, the hardship of it was, is that, remember, that Israel had not heard anything from God for 400 years that heaven was ba- was silent. I mean nothing was being said. No prophetic things were coming forth for fo- after Malachi where he said at the end of Malachi that I'm going to restore the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers and then that's it. And then there is silence for 400 years. You know the Egyptian the excuse me the Israelites prior to all of that when they were in Egypt it was 400 years that they waited to get out of Egypt, 400 years. Now it wasn't all bad, but it there was it got worse and it continued to get worse. But finally, they're delivered out after 400 years. Abraham stood for a long time. The Bible tells us that Abraham, when God, he stood for 25 years for his miracle child that he received in his life. So as we talk about these miracles of the Bible. You know, the the nativity is a miracle. I mean, think of all the hardships that people were going through. Here you've got Joseph who's dealing, who's committed himself to marry this young girl, Mary, and then all of a sudden finds out she's pregnant. She tells him, I'm pregnant. And then what is he going to do? He says, well, I'm, you know, I'm an honorable man and I'm going to respect you and I'm going to put you away privately. God tells him, no, this is, this, this is a plan. there's a plan behind all of this. Don't, don't put her away. Take her as your wife. And he does it, but yet in the midst of it, I don't think he... Und- he hadn't experienced what she had experienced when the angel showed up. And so in the midst of all that, I doubt very seriously he understood everything that was going on, but he knew something was going on. And all the things that he would have had to have gone through to get to that point where he gets her on the back of his mule and they're going to travel down their donkey and they're going to travel to Bethlehem to be in a stable, not in a hotel, but to be in a stable with no no birthing help and he's going to get to be a part of delivering this baby amongst the animals. See, we romanticize all that idea in our thinking, but it was real hardship for these folks. To go 400 years without, you know, uh, a move of God happening is a hardship. I mean, right now, you know, in my generation, I've experienced two major moves of the Holy Spirit that have happened in our nation. The charismatic movement that happened and the power of all of that, the Jesus movement, excuse me, the Jesus movement that happened prior to the charismatic movement and uh, some of you were a part of that where all of a sudden all these hippies started getting born again I mean you know they were wild they were on drugs drinking sex everything free sex was part of that society so don't ever think that what's happening in our world right now can't change overnight by the power of the Holy Spirit Somebody said to me the other day, they just kept talking about how bad and how, how bad it was in the world right now. And some of the school, some of the things the schools are dealing with and some of the things that are going on in our government. And I said, here's what we need. And I, I know they thought I was going to say we need a we need a solid conservative political leader. I said, what we need is a solid move of God in our country. And it is only a solid move of God that will ever save our country. You know when God moved in that environment upon all those upon all those hippies it was hard for the church to accept those guys. They didn't follow our rules, they didn't fit our criteria. I was one of them. So I mean, you know, I had long hair and wild and what came from a wild life and didn't look like everybody did definitely didn't dress like everybody else. I mean, a nice suit to me wasn't a dark tie and dark clothes. It was a leisure suit. With a big collar shirt. Anybody remember those? Yep. But I want you to understand this morning that what God is doing in your life right now, that that, listen, and this is really important, God is not calling you to tough it out. I think sometimes we think we just, you know, we just got to tough it out. We just got to get through this. If I can get through this. If i can get through the holidays you know if i can get through the christmas dinner if i can get through the this part of it then everything is going to be okay but that's not really true what god calls us to do and really this is the power of it is he, he doesn't call us to tough it out he calls us to trust him to grow in our trust and our belief in him and to remember that no matter what's going on in your life you're not alone one, you're not alone because there are other people going through stuff that you're going through. It may not be exactly like what you're going through, but you're going, stuff you're going through. I know when I first got married, and Sharon and I, we were having issues arguing, and just, it was, just seemed like we couldn't agree on anything at that point, and uh, I was really frustrated. I was like, man, I, I can't, this is terrible. And I was talking to one of the pastors at the church and was just kind of going through, and I wasn't bellyaching against her, but just saying, we're just having some issues. And, and he started counseling, giving me good, godly, biblical counsel. And then he started telling me about stuff he and his wife went through. And, you know, it helped me to know that somebody else had been through what I was going through. I mean, it really did because it, it helped me to understand that these are things that are common to every marriage. Not, there probably isn't anybody in here that is married that, or has been married that hasn't had a time that no matter what you said... The other person didn't understand what you were trying to say. And, uh, but God wants us to know that we're not alone, that others have gone through what we're going through, but two, to understand that we're not alone because God is with us. The whole message of Christmas is Emmanuel. God is with us. God is here, and his presence is here, and he has not left us. But see, the thing we have to do as we wait on the Lord, and this is really going to be, I think this will really help you this morning, is is that God calls us to stir ourselves up by remembering who he is in our lives. If you look at the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I think I have it up there on the screen, in verse 6, he says, Therefore, Timothy, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I want you to hear this out of the Amplified Version. It says it like this. That is why I would remind you, Timothy, to stir up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of the laying on of my hands with those elders at your ordination. For God did not give you Give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. But he's given you and I a spirit of power and love and a calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. But the key in this is, is that to understand that the flame that God gives us is his gift to us. But the care of that flame is our gift back to God. God does not have to stir us up. He calls us to stir ourselves up. He doesn't say, okay, so I'm going to give you the gift and then I'll keep it stirred in your life so it stays flaming hot. You know, you've seen fires before. You know, no matter how blazing that fire is, as it burns down, the ash begins to settle in on everything. And as the ash settles in... Of course, it can even begin to look like there's no fire, there's no heat there at all, there's no fire there at all. Now, there is, it's just underneath all the ash that's there. The ashes begin to smother the flame. The ashes begin to smother the flame. That, but here's the thing. What we have to remember is those ashes, they were once fuel that actually caused that fire to be there. They're just used fuel. Things that have passed, things that have already taken place, and now they no longer the ash no longer serves a purpose. The only way to stir up the fire is you have to take off what no longer serves a purpose. You have to move that ash out of the way. That and look, it might have been this is where it gets tough because remember at one time when we reminisce about this, we think, Well, that was really important to me. That was really powerful to me, that was really something that god did in my past but the greatest thing god wants to do for you is not in your past it's right now and you cannot go forward with a backward vision you just can't there's no way to do it you i mean you could try but it's always going to be difficult to go forward with a backward vision if you're looking back at well you know i got baptized in the holy spirit so many years ago i got saved so many years ago. well that's all great and that's a great testimony well, what's God done in your life today? I want to know where you're at with God today. What did you experience in your prayer time with him today? What did, you say, well, Pastor, can we have something with God every day? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies, the Bible teaches us, never come to an end. They are new every morning. They're new every morning. Now, they're not going to happen while you're watching Good Morning America. All right. Or Fox News or any of that. But they are going to happen while you're in prayer and you're talking to the Lord in the morning and you're saying, God, here I am. What do you have to say to me today? What can you and I talk about today? What can we deal with today in my life? What can I I envision in a greater capacity in my life today? They're new every morning. Every single day, they are new to us. But what happens in our life is that ash, stuff that has happened, begins to cover over what could happen. And it begins to smother it. And so what we have to do is we have to move, we have to stir it. You know, you get in that fire and you start poking at it. You move it around, right? You get the ash off those logs and you let air, you let oxygen get back into it. There's still fuel there. There's still something that can happen. But you've got to move the ash out of the way. But you know, I've met people... They're grieving over their ashes. They're still, the ashes smothering out. They're saying, oh, you know, why is this, this happened, and why did that happen, and why did this? Look, I'm telling you, you could spend, you'll spend the rest of your life asking God why something happened, and you're not going to get an answer. You're not going to get an answer. In fact, if you look at Job, we're not going to turn there. But, you know, in Job's whole deal with God, when he starts saying, you know, where, You know, why is this all going on? Why? Do, where have you been? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And God said, excuse me, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Were you around when I created the heavens and the earth? See, what he did was he said, Job, look, I want you to, Stop thinking about what's going on in your life, and I want you to think that i got a master plan that I'm working out over your life. A master plan. The key is to remember. Is to remember. You say, what do we do when we wait on the Lord? We remember. We remember that God is faithful. We remember that God... Uh, has been faithful to us in the past. He has promised to be faithful to us in our present, and he's promised to be faithful in the future. When Paul started talking to Timothy, he told him right before all of this about stirring up. He said, look, I know that you have the word in you. He says it. It was in your grandma, and it was in your mom, and I know that word has been taught to you, and it's inside of you. You already have what you need. You just got to get stirred up about what you've got. See, that... That's the dilemma that we keep running for a new revelation and we're not stirring up the old revelation of our lives. We're not flaming, flaming, we're not fanning it into flame, excuse me. And what God calls us to is to fan, fan the flame. We question in the nativity, the whole idea of what happens. Why is it that God did things the way that he did? Because it, You know, truthfully, it looked like a mess. I mean, it really did. It didn't, nothing was worth, you know, I'm sure Joseph had a plan. He started with a plan. I'm going to marry this woman. We're going to have kids. We're going to raise them in Nazareth. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to raise them up and be carpenters like I am and on and on. And then everything goes chaotic and it doesn't stop there. And then after the child is born, God says, all right, I want you to go down to Egypt. I want you to go down to Egypt. But in the midst of all of what God was calling to have happen during the nativity, and I want you to understand this, what everything that God is calling for your life, God has a master plan. Greg, put that picture up if you would. Um, this is the other one. All right. So this is a tapestry that was made. It's a beautiful crown, and we can't really identify all the colors that are in it. But it, this is what, when you and I look at this, we would say that's something we would be okay with having in our home. But if you flip that tapestry over and you see the back side of it, go ahead and show the other picture. That's what the backside looks like of that very same crown that you just saw. Now, what God sees is the crown, what you and I see is that right there. That's what we see. We see the mess. We see all of the strings and the things that are all a chaos and things that aren't working out and things that, that look like they don't even belong. But what God looks at is he sees the beauty of the crown. He sees the beauty of what that could become. You go ahead and flip that back, Greg. He sees the beauty of what you are to him. I'm glad, you know. I look at my life, and I know when I really reflect upon my life, I deserve nothing from God. Nothing. I deserve hell. Period. Okay. I just do, not only because of the sin of being rebellious against God, but all of the things that I did. My goodness, all the things that I could have been held, I, you know, could if I was held accountable for them. They would just it would be horrible. That's all those strings that are back there behind that's all those things that were going on but here's the thing in the midst of all of that God isn't looking at the back side of the tapestry God's looking at this side because he sees something that you could be he sees what you are to him he sees the beauty of what he has put in you you know God didn't throw a trashy gift on the inside of you he threw his perfect gift of grace on the inside of you and that perfect grace, you know, when Paul was crying out to God about the difficulties, the stuff he was going through, everywhere Paul went, people got stirred up against him. I mean, it was, he, they were aggravated at him. And he would go in and start preaching, and people would get aggravated and run him out of town, and, and, and difficulty after difficulty would follow his life and he called out to God just like any of us would just like while we're trying to sort all this out see when we're while we're looking at the backside turn that over again we're looking at the backside of that and we're saying what is all this what does all that mean right isn't that how we, we look at we, what does all this mean that's going on in my life right now i don't i don't get it god i don't i don't see it i don't see it i don't see a crown there i see a mess But what God does through his word, as we wait upon him and we remember, is he shows us that that's not who we are. We are beautiful to him. We are his children. We are his prize. Yeah, thank you. We are his prize. We are a royal priesthood, according to him. A holy generation. I mean, it's hard sometimes for us to say I'm a holy generation when we know sometimes we just are not very holy. But I'm a holy generation. We carry attitudes, and it's all those phrase and all those things. But look, it all, it all is working, this wonderful master plan that God has in your life. You say, well, Pastor, are you telling me God brings tragedy to? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that in those waiting times when you don't understand, there's fabric that's being wet woven and there's things, threads that are being strung through your life that may make no sense to you whatsoever. But God has a vision for your future. And if you think about what he said in Jeremiah, he said, look, the plans that I have for you, I got plans, man. I see it. I can see this great plan for your life but you got too much ash on top of your wood it's time to get in there and start stirring that up stirring up the love that's remember, we're reading revelation right now finishing out the year what did he tell the church was their problem when they got lukewarm he said they needed to go back to their first love stir that love up the love of god the love of god how do, you, how do you refire a marriage? You go back to what you did in the beginning. I always tell couples, when look, when they, they're like, well, you know, we, just, we, we care about each other, but we just don't feel that passion anymore. I says, well, what did you do to have that passion in the beginning? Well, you know, we would talk, and I said, okay, we'll do that. Well, you know, I mean, we have kids, and all. I said, okay, we'll get some time where you'd just sit down, put your phones in a bucket and get away from your phone and get turn the TV off and just sit and hold hands and look at each other and talk about how much you mean to each other. Well, Pastor, that's awkward. Well, it shouldn't be, but it can become that way. But I can promise you passion always ignites when in our lives when we do that with each other, when we do that. We remember. We remember how we met. We remember how we... You know, our marriage, we remember our kids, we remember all those things. See, you've got to knock the ash off that wood. Stir up, stir up. God's gift to you is the gift that's in you. Your gift back to God from this day forward is what you do with that gift in you. Is it going to be hot and on fire for God? Or is it going to be all worn out from all the stuff you're going through, waiting on? God told us about probably six months ago now. You can go ahead and stand. Everybody stand up with me if you would. God told us about six months ago that uh, prophetically, and i preach this everywhere. I've, I mean, I, it's, it's been a life changer for me that we need to stop focusing on the why and the when, and we need to focus on the who and the what. That if we don't get our minds off of the why and the when, we're just going to get covered with ash again. But if we focus on the who and the what, that who God is and what he is to us and what he's done for us, the power of transformation that can happen in our lives as we look to him. Amen. Did this help anybody today? Look, I know we're all going through stuff in our lives, but as we wait on the Lord, my declaration to you is is that as we wait on him, that our strength would be renewed. In fact, I'm going to ask you right now while Chuck is coming, if you would just lift your hands and just say, God, I need renewed strength. Just lift up your hands and say, God, strengthen me today. Stir me, Lord, I stir myself in remembering what you have done. Lord, I see, Lord God, that there is a gift in me that's covered with ash and, Lord God, that's become weary and it's become tired and worn out. And I don't see the big picture, but, God, you see the big picture. Rekindle in me, God, the big picture vision of what you want to do. And I thank you for